Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everyone. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the show. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts, the paranormal investigation team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state. And what that means is that if you have a paranormal need and you think you have a paranormal need, we can reach out to you and we will find you one way or another. And it might take a couple hours to get you, but we will. The important thing about what we do as a paranormal team is something I want to point out. We're just not going out to say, hey, you got ghosts in your house. That's not what we do. I have professionals on my team. I have psychologists on my team. I have contractors on my team. I have former police officers on my team. We go out and we are looking for logical explanations. All right. And once we get to the point where we have no more logical explanations, then we start looking at the stuff that might not be so logical, right? But that's what we do. If you have any teams that come out and don't do that, don't use them, all right? You want to get a full service because otherwise it's a disservice. You know, you'd be surprised how many times a pipe could sound like something in your wall. You know, a pipe that bangs, an older pipe, or your house suddenly gets cold and you're wondering why. And in older homes, well, we, we will take not only a thermometer, but we'll use a thermal imaging camera so that we can see where the um, where, where, where the insulation is. Because in a lot of older buildings, old hotels and stuff, insulation only runs halfway up the wall. See, that's the stuff we're looking for. We're looking at your, your electrical appliances. We're, we're looking at your wiring in your house. Right? So that's what you need. When you call for a team to come out, that's what you need to have come out to your house. Anyway, I'm done blowing my horn about that. My name is Charlotte again. I'm going to be your host tonight. we got a great guest. I'm so fascinated by people and conspiracy theories. You know, the last few years, there have been conspiracy theories everywhere, right? Why do people fall for these things over and over? And then once they do fall for them, trying to convince them otherwise is like pulling teeth. So uh, we're gonna. My guest tonight, Dr. Michael Shermer, is going to talk about that. He's written, he's written a lot of books on the topic, and so it's going to be interesting to talk to him about that. Now, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see and hear, please be sure to hit that like button and that follow button. All right. If you're watching from YouTube, see if I can point it out. Say, ah, there it is. That's my little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner. Please be sure to click on that ghost if you like what you hear and you haven't done so already, and subscribe to my channel. We have all kinds of topics. I'm a journalist. I don't like to just talk about ghosts and stuff. I like to talk about things like tonight. I like to talk to abuse victims. I like to talk different topics, you know, stuff to make you healthy, things like that. I like to vary the topics. So if you go over there and look, we've got more than 460 videos sitting over there, and they're all different topics. So you're going to find something that suits you, all right? Plus, if you do subscribe, you're going to get notified of all our videos, you know, before they come out. Just like reminder, Friday, Friday night, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be venturing out in the real, in the real world outside the studio. We're going to be going out on, the two, on an hour and a half, maybe two-hour Christmas light tour. And it's going to be live. It's going to be live on Facebook. It's going to be live on, on, on uh, YouTube. Okay, so you're going to want to be ready for that. Grab your hot cocoa and stuff. You don't have to leave your house to see Christmas lights. And it's going to be a, a very affluent neighborhood here in, here, here in Sacramento that we're going to cruise. Very popular area. Okay, that being said, I want to get into get into tonight's show because it's it's going to be pretty cool. So let me bring in Dr. Shermer, and he he can tell you about himself and his background, and then we'll get into talking about conspiracy theories. Here we go. Good evening, sir. All right, nice to see you. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. I see Tell you have your Santa you. hat on there. I yeah, don't have a Santa hat. Usually it lights up too, but I don't have I don't <laughs> today. <laughs> so uh, tell me about you, sir. Oh, well, I'm a publisher of Skeptic Magazine. It looks like, uh, well, it looks like this. 
Here's our issue on trans matters. We did one on abortion matters. And then last issue on race matters. The new one that just came out today, nationalism matters. So we're kind of branching out from stuff uh, we've been covering for 30 years, which is a lot of the things you're interested in, the paranormal, the supernatural and ghosts and haunted houses and talking to the dead and psychics and ESP and telekinesis and UFOs and aliens and uh, conspiracies of all kind. And now I'm kind of trying to take the magazine in a new direction. Uh, you can only cover those things so many times and go into other uh, more pertinent pertinent political, cultural, social, economic issues that are, you know, really making a big difference in the world and conspiracy theories, which is the subject of the new book here, uh, which is on the stack. I forget if people can see this. Right here. Let's see if I can do this without there we go. That's what the book that's what the book looks like. Um, see, I didn't have to do it. See I have one here. Look. Oh there see? we go. There nice. We go. Very good. So as it's become evident to to everybody, you know, conspiracy theories are not on the fringe. They are in the mainstream. You know, the people on January 6, 2021, that uh, stormed the Capitol building were conspiracy theorists. They believed that the country was really being stolen from them. They really mm -hmm. believed that the election was fraudulent. The boss himself just said so that morning and told them to go down there and be strong. And we know who these people are, pretty much every one of them. And, uh, you know, they are not uh, tinfoil hat wearing wackadoodle weirdos in their parents' basement uh, tweeting about conspiracy theories. No, they're regular people with jobs and careers and, you know, spouses and children and families, and they go to work every day and so on. And uh, so that shows us how mainstream these these conspiracy theories are. We know tens of millions of Republicans believe in QAnon. They tell us mm -hmm. poll after poll that you know the QAnon conspiracy theory is real, or the PizzaGate. Um, mm -hmm. Fewer, but still millions, you mm -hmm. know, believe that the Clintons, Hillary Clinton in particular, is running a secret satanic pedophile ring out of a pizzeria in Washington D.C. Now, when I say they believe it, well, they tell pollsters they think there might be something to it. If you really believed it, you'd probably do something along the lines that uh, um, Edgar Welch did, which is he went there with an AR-15 style rifle to break up the crime that he thought was going on there. And, uh, you know, of course, there was no <laughs> there's no pedophile ring at the pizzeria mm -hmm. at all. And he shot some bullets into the ceiling and no one was hurt. And he went to prison for a few years now regrets it. But most people who say they believe they don't do things like that. So I have this concept that I call a proxy conspiracism or tribal conspiracism. You embrace a conspiracy theory because it's the kind of thing our group believes, our political party, our religion or whatever. And those other people, you know, the, the, the evil people, the, you know, they, you know, that kind of black and white, a Manichaean worldview in which, you know, there's good people and there's bad people and there's nothing in between. Right. So Republicans hate Democrats and vice versa. And so on. So that's kind of what fuels those kind of conspiracy theory, whether they're true or not, is beside the point. It's what they represent. They're a proxy for something else. So those two proxy conspiracism and tribal conspiracism fuels a lot of what we think of uh, belief in conspiracy theories. And then the third one in my three part theory of conspiracism is uh, constructive conspiracism. That is enough conspiracy theories are true that it pays to believe most of them just in case. So, you know, if you just go back in U.S. history alone uh, and, you know, we just saw the recent uh, release of the tranche of JFK conspiracy related documents from the CIA and the FBI and what they were hiding. Well, they weren't hiding anything about um, JFK being assassinated by the CIA or anybody else other than Lee Harvey Oswald. But they were all these documents that have been coming out over the decades have shown to what extent the CIA was involved in the assassination of foreign leaders, in rigging elections in foreign countries, in spying on not only foreign leaders, but also U.S. citizens without a warrant. You know, this is warrantless wiretapping. It's illegal. You have to have a judge sign off on, you know, Ill, uh, monitoring somebody's mail and so on. The, you know, M Project MK Ultra, in which the CIA was involved in mind control experiments using LSD. Mm -hmm. uh, without the consent or knowledge of the subjects who are U.S. citizens protected by the Constitution. You know, the FBI's COINTEL Pro program, the counterintelligence program, spied on uh, civil rights activists all the way up to Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, blackmailed him. Mm -hmm. You know, they recorded his affairs that he had 
in hotel rooms and then threatened to release the tapes publicly if he didn't you know, stop what he was doing or even kill himself. There's this famous letter that J. Edgar Hoover signed off on, sent to blackmail uh, Martin Luther King Jr. That our U.S. government was doing these things. And that, I'm just tip of the iceberg there. I mean, there was the uh, Project Shamrock, which the FBI would steal people's mail including Jane Fonda, the actress Jane Fonda. She had to sue the federal government to get her own mail back. Okay, this is illegal. If you went to your neighbor's mailbox and stole his mail and he caught you, you could go to prison for that, right? And here's the FBI, or this is the NSA. The NSA was doing this, right? So people see this, you know, WikiLeaks, the Afghanistan papers, the Pentagon papers, all the, uh, the, the leaks that have come out from whistleblowers over the decades, no wonder people don't trust the government, right? There's good reason not to trust the government, not just the government, but, you know, co corporations are also not reliable. You know, we know that the tobacco companies covered up, lied to, um, and faked science to show that tobacco smoke does not cause lung cancer. They knew that it did, and they lied to gain money, or Volkswagen cheating the emission standards in Europe. They lied. They cheated. Why? To make money, right? <laughs> so, you know, enough of this goes on. I think it's not irrational to uh, say that you think a lot of conspiracy theories are true. Thus, the subtitle of my book is Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, because it's not really irrational on a larger scale. You know, when people feed into these things, though, I mean, like my father would always say, you know, if you tell a lie often enough and over and over, you start to believe it. Is that a lot of what goes on with this? Because, I mean, I know I'm not going to mention names on, out of my lifetime of knowing people, but when all this went down politically, as they say, I mean, there were people I know that that, that are scientists and stuff that, that fell for this stuff. Mm, indeed, yes. Well, okay, so, yes, I, 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 I'm convinced most people, when they say they believe it, they, they in their heart, in their minds, they do believe it. Some people are just out-and-out out liars. Um, and they don't actually believe the lie, but most people do. And I think if the conditions are right and, uh, you know, it's part of a, your, your political group, your religion, your family, your social group and so on, you know, this is called social proof where people mm -hmm. around you believe something, you know, like the famous smoke in the room experiments or every, you get in an elevator and everybody turns around and faces the back of the elevator. So you do too, you know, that, that that's not irrational because usually the group does get it right. You know, if there is smoke coming in a room, somebody would say something. And, you know, so it, it pays to kind of go along with what the group is saying. Not always, but, you know, often enough that it pays to do so. So that's that's there's kind of a, a rationality to that. So liars, psychopaths, you know, kind of that, that dark triad of psychopathy, Machiavellianism um, and um, narcissism. Um, works because most of the time, most people are not like that. Most people do not lie constantly. That most people are not trying to manipulate you constantly. And so it it's reasonable to trust most people because most of the time that it works. So the liar, the psychopath, and so on can get away with it because most of us trust them and not irrationally because there aren't that many psychopaths. So that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to ask you about that, that coming from the perspective of, of the person that's spreading the rumor or, you know, starting the conspiracy. Do they, do, do the most of these liars understand that the, the, the people they're aiming at? I think so. Yes. Uh, good leaders know their base. Um, you know, take someone like Trump, who was, mm -hmm. you know, really good at uh, manipulating audiences. He's a good mm -hmm. speaker. He's funny. He's very Manichaean, black and white. You know, we're the good people. Those are the bad people. And, you know, most of us fall for that. Uh, and, you know, his use of, of music and uh, tropes, you know, like rigged or little Marco or Lion Ted or low energy jab. You know, these are little kind of mind tricks that good leaders can play. Now, that's a little bit on the dark side, I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can use the same techniques for good. You know, a good, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was one of the greatest speakers of all time using a lot of tropes, you know, religious tropes and metaphors and analogies and, you know, clever sayings and so on. And uh, that's, you know, also the same techniques, but used for, for moral good, I think, moral progress. Well, you know, with some of these conspiracies that are out there, 
just kind of fun to troll the site sometimes, you know, just to mm-hmm. just to see what's out there. And the one that that eats at me is the JFK Jr. one where, where he's going to be coming back, you know, where he didn't die. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I just it totally it makes my mind want to burst. Yeah, they went to Dealey Plaza where Kennedy was assassinated, of all things. And there were crowds of people there. I could not believe anybody bothered to show up for this. Yeah. So, again, I think some of that is driven by tribal loyalties. Like, you know, our uh, our group is going to go do this. And some of it's just entertainment. You know, people just go along for the fun of it. I mean, we know before January 6th, uh, you know, the day before, Steve Bannon was on a podcast, you know, talking about, oh, you got to be there tomorrow. It's going to be epic. All hell is going to break loose. This is our mm-hmm. 1776 moment. You know, a lot of people get um, kind of act worked up about that. Like, oh, my God, this is like going to a rock concert. I, I, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, or a tent revival or, you know, something big and exciting like that. And, um, uh, you know, I worked on this Netflix show on mind control. We found this woman who'd gone way down the QAnon rabbit hole. Now, this woman was uh, educated, intelligent, uh, very attractive, married with kids, started her own PR company, very successful. Then COVID shuts down her company. You know, she's kind of bored at home. Uh, online, reading all the QAnon um, websites and the QAnon drops, the Q drops about the deep state and what was really going on inside the government and how Trump was going to expose the deep state and have Hillary and all these people arrested and all this stuff. And she said it was so exciting. She said, this is like the most important thing I'll ever do. You know, not raising her children, not starting a company, you know, not being happily married, uh, but QAnon, you know, because there's a deep state and it's, it's, you know, satanic and I get to be part of the mission to stop it. And she even told us that her husband gave her, she had a recording on the, her phone of her husband giving in her ultimatum. It's QAnon or, or me and the kids. And if you choose QAnon, I'm taking the kids and we're leaving. And she chose QAnon at least temporarily. She came to her senses later, <laughs> but you know, it's like, Whoa. And she said, you know, at, the, at that moment, my head was in this space of, like, I'm going to change the world. This is my right. moment. And uh, nothing I'll do will ever match that. And it's, it's okay. So <laughs> it's crazy. What have been some of the biggest conspiracies uh, throughout history? Do you know? Well, the most popular ones now, uh, in addition to JFK and QAnon, 9-11 Truth is still around. 9-11 was an inside job by the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, the birther Obama one is faded quite a bit now that Trump is out and not promoting that anymore. And even he said, yeah, I guess Obama was born in the U S <laughs> you know, forgetting that, you know, Hawaii is a part of the United States, you know? Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, but, but historically uh, there's nothing new about conspiracy theories. They've always been around after uh, Pearl Harbor, there were conspiracy theories that Roosevelt either knew it happened, uh, knew, knew it was going to happen and, and let it happen on purpose, or he right. was involved. He made it happen on purpose. So these are terms from 9-11 truthism. Lie hop, let it happen on purpose, and my hop, made it happen on purpose. And so the argument is that the American firster movement and isolationism was pretty strong in the late 1930s and early 1940s in the United States. Nobody wanted to go get involved in European entanglements anymore after the First World War, which was mm-hmm. a disaster. So uh, he had to push up against that, and he could not get congressional support uh, to support Great Britain uh, against the Nazis and so on. Did what he could, the land-lease law, give him those 50 destroyers and so on, but there's only so much you could do and until Pearl Harbor. And then it's like, okay, now everybody uh, is on board. We can declare war. Congress declared war on uh, Japan, and then Nazi Germany declared war on us. So now he's got the full support of Congress and the public who's animated about this. So really, it's what I call cowhop, capitalized on what happened on purpose. That is, this is what politicians do. They, you know, something happens and then they can use this to their advantage. 9-11 was not an inside job. Bush didn't know about it. He didn't make it happen on purpose. He didn't let it happen on purpose. But he sure uh, capitalized on what happened on purpose. You know, go to war in Afghanistan and then, you know, disastrously in Iraq. There was no reason we should have invaded Iraq at all. You know, mm-hmm. that it now looks like, um, you know, these uh, I, this, this meme of, of um, weapons of mass destruction being uh, secreted away by um, Saddam Hussein was a lie. It was not true. It was never true. 
and so on. So, but but that's what that's what politicians do. They capitalized on what happened on purpose. But people on the outside don't really see how that works. So it looks like there was something else going on. All the way back to the burning of Rome, and there was conspiracy theories that Nero let it happen on purpose or he made it happen on purpose, although they didn't use that language. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so any the general theme here is anyone that has power uh, is always suspect by those of us who are out of power. Most of us don't have much power. I don't know what it's actually going on in Congress or at the Pentagon or what do I know? CIA, FBI, you know, I'm just a regular citizen, right? So it's easy to go down the whole rabbit hole of thinking there must be something. And then something big happens. JFK mm -hmm. is assassinated. Okay. So here we have what's called a, uh, a pr proportionality bias. That is, we expect our causes and effects to be roughly equal. The Holocaust is the one of the worst genocides in history. And the cause of it was the Nazis, one of the worst political regimes in history. There's a balance there. Mm -hmm. But if you say, you know, JFK, the leader of the free world, was taken out by who? Lee Harvey Oswald? A nobody? You know, there's no balance there. So it had to be the KGB and the CIA and the FBI and the Cubans and the mafia and, you know, everybody, President, Vice President Johnson was in on it and so on. Same thing with President uh, uh, Princess Diana, cause of death, right. drunk driving, speeding, no seatbelt. These are the three most common reasons people die in automobile accidents. But princesses are not supposed to die like the rest of us do, mm -hmm. right? So must have been the MI5 or the MI6 or the royal family or, you know, whoever had to be in on it uh, and so on. So there, that kind of proportionality bias, you know, you're telling me 19 guys with box cutters brought down the World Trade Center buildings? Impossible, right? It just doesn't feel intuitively right. There's no balance there. There's no proportionality between cause and effect. But if you think about it, that is the only way it could happen because mm -hmm. a big inside job that would involve thousands of people. First of all, people can't keep their mouth shut. They're incompetent. People screw up. Accidents happen. Chance, randomness. Things never go the way you plan them to go. That's how the world really works. And yet here we are 21 years later after 9-11. And still, not one person has come forward to say, you know, I was married to this guy and now we're divorced and I can't stand him. And you know what? He was in on it. And he was one of the guys that planted the explosive devices. Here's how I know. You know nothing like that. You know, mm -hmm. millions of documents uh, leaked by WikiLeaks. Not one document in there about 9-11 as an inside job. Or for that matter, the moon landing was fake or that UFOs, right. UFOs are at Area 51. Nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that tells us there's probably nothing to those things. What happens now that you've got all these people that are believers in this stuff? How do you, I mean, I mean, I mean there's been more conspiracies now. You know, when Biden was getting elected president, how he was going to take these people and put everybody in camps to desensitize them to all this stuff. What happens to all right. these believers? Do they continue believing or how do you get them not to believe? Usually they just stop talking about it when it doesn't happen. And then they they recalibrate and come up with some new conspiracy theories that that business about the president going to lock up American citizens and put them in FEMA camps in uh, Texas. That goes all the way. That goes back to Obama, goes back to Clinton. This is a, a more of a right wing conspiracy theory about what the liberals are doing. Liberals right. have their own conspiracy theories about what the right wing are doing. And so on. It goes back. It goes back and forth. Right. So that's an old one. You know, if you look at the pictures associated with the so-called FEMA camps, it turns out it's some ranch in Texas or or there's even one from a um, a uh, concentration camp in North Korea that's supposedly in Texas. That's a FEMA camp where the U.S. government is locking up U.S. citizens who own guns or whatever. I mean, this is these are just crazy, but they're typically, you know, kind of politically motivated. You know, if the other side wins, this is what they're going to do. You know, they're going to take away all your guns. They're going to cancel the Second Amendment, you know, th th and it never happens. And you would think that they they recalibrate in that same one, but they don't. <laughs> no, they just kind of reset and, and, and come at it again or come up with some new conspiracy theory. It's fascinating. I mean, every day there's something else coming up. You know, you turn around. You know, turn on the internet, tw Twitter now. Oh my God, Twitter's exploded. I mean, tw Twitter was so nice. Crazy, yes, it's, it's crazy. Just, yeah, whoa, I, th right. I think once uh, uh, Elon steps down and hires somebody to just kind of do the job. I mean, I tweeted at him about this that you know should I resign or it shouldn't matter who's running it. You should have a set of principles 
that are just you, it's consistently applied. I, I realize this is not that easy. The low hanging fruit, you know, we're not going to let ISIS on our platform to recruit uh, terrorists. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. Um, you know, what, what about Alex Jones? What about Donald Trump? Should they be on Twitter? And so, you know, I know there's some hard cases, but most of the time, most people are using it as just a, a, a form of communication. So if you just set up the rules and be pretty lax about, you know, easy on the censorship, I say. <laughs> well, I remember some of the diehard um, liberals that I know on Twitter and when Elon took it over and said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, you know, get rid of all the moderators and all this. And there were people on there going, oh my God, I don't know if I can go through this again for another four or five years, you know. Yes, yes, just, uh, you know, it's know. just, it's just, yeah. But I mean, I guess this stuff's always going to be out there. I mean, it's just human nature to, to, to come up with this stuff, you know, and it festers and the oh, internet boy. makes it 10 times yes. worse. Right. Yes. Because the information can go out so fast. There's nothing new about conspiracy theories. What's new now is the speed at which they can travel around the world uh, and penetrate with such huge audiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, JFK conspiracy theorists have been around since, you know, the day after, uh, the assassination in, in, in 1963. But the people that were promoting it were just, you know, a handful of people meeting in these small hotel conference rooms with their mimeograph newsletters, and mm -hmm. they just didn't have much of an audience. And uh, but now, you know, you can set up a web page, you have millions of followers, and you get your little video to go viral, like that 9-11 truth video called Loose Change. That was mm -hmm. the first video to go viral online. Very, It's kind of studied now as the case case study of how this happens you know it was like tens of millions of people watch this film you know hollywood producers would kill for numbers like this because like 100 million people saw it ultimately something like that and uh you know that's just unheard of in conspiracy circles that to have that kind of audience so quick and uh but you know on the on the plus side those of us that want to test whether the theories are true or not uh, skeptics, uh, as it were, uh, we can also have big audiences and we can counter online with, you know, uh -huh. with explainers and, and, you know, articles and analyses of the claims. So that's the way it goes. You know, when the printing press first came online, you know, people were like, oh, up in arms. Oh, this is going to be terrible. You know, people are going to, going to promote bad ideas. Well, that's true, <laughs> but we can also print Shakespeare. <laughs> I just got, in fact, the other night I was out to dinner with my friend and uh, I don't know what comment I made on something on TikTok. It was, uh, it was a conspiracy thing. And I, I, I got, don somebody donated a penny to me. A penny? Okay. Yes, because, um, <laughs> because I'm a live biatch. Is what they call me. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. All right. So I thanked him profusely. You know, the B the B word came out. Oh, the dear. B word came out. Yeah. Yeah. So I I thanked him profusely. You know, and I was very nice about it. And I, I forget what I said afterwards. And next thing I know, I get an email back going, "Well, I want my I want my penny back." <laughs> Too late. It's gone. Poof. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I spent it at Starbucks. I got one drop of coffee. <laughs> I'm a newspaper reporter. That's that's my background. So I stay oh. down the middle. You know what oh, I mean? Good. That's my good. job is to stay down the middle no matter what these arguments. Right. I may have my personal right. beliefs that I have, but I have to stay down the middle. So when I do comment on stuff online, I try not to be, you know, that. <laughs> yes. In my but experience, journalists are pretty good skeptics because they've heard a lot of yeah. bullshit yeah. In, their, in their time. And so they know, don't just believe what people tell you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I've taken that into my paranormal work because you can tell by my re the beginning of the show when I said, "Yeah, we're going to look at everything. We're we're going to crawl into your floors. We're going to go for your attic." How you know when when you see these 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 things come up, what do you do? Do you do a lot of research into them, or how or or, or how do you go about you know I being? Try to, I try to do that before I comment on social media because almost always whatever story you hear, there's another angle to it. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, people have been burned on social media too many times. You know, you hear some story uh, about, you know, some guy that does this and always oh, a racist or he's a transphobe or whatever. And mm -hmm. then the next day you find out, oh, there's a completely different explanation for this. Uh, and it wasn't that at all. It's this other thing. Oh, and I you know, shot my mouth off online. So <laughs> I usually try to, you know, count to 10, maybe read a little bit more and see what happens and wait. You know, because as you know, journalism is just the first draft of history. Right. <laughs> you know, right. It's going to, you got to kind of wait and see how, how it unfolds. So, I try to be careful about that. At Skeptic, our mission is to provide um, the best explanations we have, like you were saying, for haunted houses. 
Um, well, what, wait a minute, hang on before you go to the paranormal, before you say it's out of this world, make sure it's not first in this world. Mm -hmm. as we like to say it could be creaky pipes. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in an old house and it's isolated, you're not in a, a noisy city and, and sound travels through the colder, dense air at night mm -hmm. and you get these little creaky things, you know, let's first not make sure that it's not the, in the pipes in the part of the uh, wall that's not insulated. I love that example you gave, you know, and there's a hundred things like that, that, you know, are natural explanations or ufos i mean my analysis of uaps and ufos is you know even the hardcore pro ufologists i know say that 95 percent of all sightings are fully explicable by natural mm -hmm. means you know they're airplanes or their weather balloons or their swamp gas or it's a flock of geese or you know and there's dozens of explanations like this so mm -hmm. you know before you say oh we're being visited by aliens or it's a russian drone or whatever Let's just first wait, make sure it's not in the big bin over here, the 95% bin. And that, so that's the kind of thing we try to do there. I just find it interesting, you know, what you do. And my other question is too, when you do like, like with your magazine, what types of mail, what types of mail do you get? Cause I'm sure you must get some, you know, some people that aren't going to believe what you say anyway. So obviously, and I know how the conspiracy theorists, theorists are. I mean, they don't, they don't like to keep their mouth shut no matter what. So you must mm. get a lot of mail back. I get a lot of, uh, I'm a skeptic too, but, and then the but is whatever their particular belief is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, Shermer, you should be skeptical of the government explanation for 9-11. Not skeptical of the skeptics, right? Or, you know, climate change. You know, I accept the mm -hmm. science of climate change. Oh, you're on the wrong side. The real skepticism is being skeptical of the mainstream scientific explanation for global warming and so on. So I get a lot of that. Um, and it, but it, it always depends on the particular claims. You know, is it something that could be true, like conspiracy theories? That they, conspiracies do happen all the time. So those you have to mm -hmm. take one. You know, each one individually. Now, if it's something supernatural or paranormal, that's a little different because. Uh, as far as we know, there's no such thing as the supernatural or the paranormal. There's just the natural and the normal and the things we can't explain yet. Now, what mm -hmm. do those things represent? It could be something we don't understand yet about the physical world, the natural world, and right. there's some other force. Or it could just be some anomaly that we don't understand. And it's good to remember, no scientific theory explains every anomaly that's out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be a residue of unexplained anomalies. And what do you do with them? nothing you don't have to do anything with them but the mind abhors a vacuum of explanation so we come up with things like this right so you know things like so when i hear stories like since we're on haunted radio here uh you know if i hear about a haunted house like you i go okay let's make sure it's not the pipes or whatever but if you do go down the pathway of thinking well the hypothesis there might be ghosts let's say the uh -huh. ghosts. okay i have some questions <laughs> you know how does the ghost know to turn right at the end of the hallway there you go. How does how does the ghost turn the door and open the you know turn the knob and open the door? You know, how, how would they do that? They're not physical beings. How do they see? They don't have eyes, right? How do they knock the painting off the wall? Right. How do they how do they how does a non-material substance interact with a physical environment? Right? These these are just some questions I have about this. Well, you know what? I have skeptics like you on my team as well. So, you know, we we try to keep a good balance, you know when we go out like that. And I, and I understand where, where the skeptics are coming from too. I mean, it's a disservice. You can't just walk into somebody's house and go, okay, you're having problems. It's a ghost. And then they're terrified. And then you have to deal with that, you know, and explain all that. It's, it, it, you know, you have to go through the process. You just have to. Are there some that you visited that you're reasonably confident can't be explained by natural means? Yeah. We've had a couple, but that's, you don't get those very often. Hmm. They're few and far between. So what would be the difference between saying, you know what, this one I can't figure out and let's just leave it as an unexplained anomaly versus taking the next step saying, I think this one might be the the case of an actual, you know, a dead dead person come back alive or whatever you think it would be. Like I said, we, we get those rarely, but uh, normally what we do is once we get through and we get to the point where it's unexplained and we can't figure it out, then we're going to look at, are you hearing, you know, are you hearing voices? You know, we'll look mm. at trying to get the EVPs and trying to see what we can get that way. And then we try to match up three or four, you know, we'll try to match up three or four things that, that, that we can verify mm. for them and then take it from there. And then maybe we'll call in the church and let them come in and use the church. The, <laughs> well, you know, you know, just call somebody in 
to come in and see the people down because sometimes you oh, know, I see. I they're see. going to believe what they're going to believe no matter what. So, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes you just have to soothe people down and, and that's it. You know, there's not, not much you can do, but I mean, we, we don't claim to be um, scientists and professional what we do. That's not what we do. We're, mm. we're hobbyists. We go out, we do the best we can when we're out there, and, you know, mm. <laughs> yeah, I spent a night at a haunted uh, hotel in or haunted ex uh, hospital in East LA for this mm-hmm. um, paranormal reality show. I forget the name of it. It was a uh, oh shoot, I forget the name of it. Anyway, so there was two teams of paranormal researchers who had the EV equipment and the infrared cameras and all that stuff. And, um, and so this was a hospital in East LA where a lot of people died in the eighties during the crack cocaine epidemic. And now it's closed down. They rent it out for spooky movies and things like that. Anyway, so we spent the night there and the teams mostly found what the producers had told them had happened in the rooms. Mm-hmm. Right. So I said, okay, give me a room and I'm just going to make up two different stories and tell the two teams, two completely different stories about what happened in that room. And we'll see if they come back with finding what I told them. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. It was so to me, it was kind of a power of expectation, right? And uh, you know, kind of primed to uh-huh. you know uh, look for and sense things that sure. are happening. Sure. Uh, you know, Richard Wiseman did some interesting research on um, in this in London. He took this old theater that was being renovated, and he told one group of subjects that came through for a tour. You know, this is this is a you know, it's just a regular old theater. It's been renovated. Give us a sense of how you feel about uh, being in here. Versus the other group is told this this is where supposedly this place is haunted and there's ghosts and so on and you know and they and they all it's, so the same experiences mm-hmm. but they all interpreted it and you know so you hear a little noise or whatever you go, oh that must be part of the haunted house right so that power of expectation right is is pretty strong absolutely absolutely. Yep. I have very strict policies when I go out. I'm the only one that knows what's going on, you know, in, in the building. Mm. Mm. We will go out, we'll do EMF readings during our prelim. You know, mm. uh, there was one guy that asked questions and then they're taking photos and doing EMF readings. Mm. And that way there's no false readings during the investigation either. Right. You know, because right. you might come across one of those readings and get excited and it's the air conditioner down there and that's really <laughs> the air conditioner. Or, you know, so <laughs> right. yeah, you know what I mean? Right. So right. all that's done. So, I mean, we're really, really meticulous about it. But uh, I, I understand the skeptic's point, too. I, yeah. I, get that, I get that whole point. Well, to be fair, uh, I'm a monist, not a dualist. I think there's just material substance and, and no immaterial. Just the body, no soul, just the brain, no mind. Right. But I'm in the minority. Most people think, most people are natural dualists. They think there's... There's a mind in addition to the brain. Mm-hmm. There is a soul in addition to the body. And when you die, the soul floats off your skull and into the ether or wherever it supposedly goes. Right. Um, you know, I don't think there's any evidence for this, but I can't sh- I can't prove that there isn't for right. sure. You know, right. and I don't know what happens after we die. Probably nothing. But, you know, I, I'm happy to wake up and end up hopefully somewhere nice and, and not in a haunted house <laughs> where I'm be on harassing people. <laughs> I want to be on a beach in Hawaii somewhere. That's where I want to be. Nice I would like these stories about people that, you know, that lose a, a parent and, you know, they sense the parent is in, in my house. It's like, I don't want my mom hanging around my bedroom with my wife. I mean, come on, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> Ew, yeah. <laughs> that is creepy. I had one client I was out to and, um, she had uh, these, these higher windows in her house, and she said the ghost would, um, when she and her husband were to get, you know, together, they'd be peeking in at them, and she'd see them ju- jumping up like like little kids trying to look through the windows. Now that's yeah. creepy. That is creepy. Imagine that, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But anyhow, um, I, and also I, when, when when you you know when you're a ghost, let's let's just play this out. Sure. Uh, or your soul is is taken to heaven to be with Jesus or whatever your religious beliefs are. You know what age is the ghost? I mean, you, you know, it, it, like if I die and I'm 90 and I'm falling apart or whatever, am I like a 90 year old ghost or am I back <laughs> like when I was 30 and young and strong and and fit and my mind was sharp or right. you know that you know, these are interesting questions. You know that I I would want to know not just from religion but there's scientific you know people that science people that want to try to live forever a lot of these tech billionaires are trying to figure out how they can live forever or upload their mind into the cloud you know so they continue digitally 
but what's up there? You know, is it me now, today? You know, I, I have a lot of memories, but I've lost a lot of memories. What happened mm -hmm. to those memories? Did, did they come, are, are they uploaded too? Or if I'm a Christian and I'm up there with Jesus, you know, is it, do I, do I get all my memories back? Uh, uh, all the way back to when I've, you know, two years old or whatever. How does that work exactly? And uh, of course, no one knows. Right. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so looking at all the conspiracy theories over the last few years, you think, you know, like, like you say, that they've been around, you know, through history. But since, you know, with the advent of social media, do you think there's been, especially with everybody getting COVID, you know, and all that going around, has there been a huge increase? Yeah, so uh, definitely in the numbers of people that at least say that they adhere to those conspiracy theories and the effects are quite measurable, like COVID uh, vaccine hesitancy or even denial and conspiracy theories about how, you know, Anthony Fauci and the CDC and the U.S. government and Bill Gates and George Soros, bleh, whoever, you know, are doing this for mind control. They want to control the world population or they, they're trying to get us to conform and give up our freedoms you know, as if Anthony Fauci, you know, is sitting behind closed doors in his office going, you know, how can I control the world? And I'm going to get these people to wear masks and then then I can get them to do anything. Uh, you know, it's like, really, you think people are actually doing that? I mean, you may disagree with the mask thing and maybe we didn't really need masks as it turns out. But right. that's a separate issue than, you know, these conspiracy theories about it, you know, that, that this is the reason they did it. But again, right. people out of power don't know that people in power usually don't have as much power as you think that they do to get mm -hmm. things done, right? I mean, most politicians can't get hardly anything done. You know, if, if you have both the House and the Senate and the presidency, yeah, okay, you can probably get some stuff done, but that rarely happens. And so most of the time, you know, politicians or even CEOs, we know from studies on corp major corporations, they, they really don't have nearly as much power as outsiders think that they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you think is going to be the, the next big conspiracy? What do you see coming? Well, I'm worried about um, 2024 election if Trump gets the nomination, which I don't think he will now. It looks like uh, his time may have come and gone. Uh, I, I, what I'm worried about is the, a peaceful transfer of power. Um, and because that's the core of democracy. If we can't trust our elections, then we're doomed, right? Uh -huh. And so the midterms are encouraging this way. Most of the Trump endorsed politicians who are election deniers who who said like carrie lake in arizona if i win it was a fair election if i lose it was a rigged election well it, okay we can't allow that that is unacceptable because we don't have a democracy so those that's a big one i'm worried about i think we're going to be okay but you know it's still early here in late december 2022 maybe in a year from now we'll have a better handle on that mm -hmm. uh you know, COVID is not the last pandemic. We're going to have more. This was a good trial run. See how we respond. Um, and so I'm worried about what happened you know, when the next one comes along. Did we learn our lessons? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. It's not at all clear to me that closing down schools, shutting down businesses and basically freezing the economy was a, a good idea. You know, it, it, at the time, I'll give the experts credit. They didn't know. Nobody knew. You know, what if the death rate of, of uh, SARS-CoV-2 was like Ebola or worse, AIDS? Remember, AIDS was 100% fatal for several years until they got the drug cocktail. 100% fatal. You got AIDS, you're dead, right? And so, I mean, who knows? You know, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 disease, that could have been like that. It didn't. We got lucky. It's you know slightly worse than the flu. Uh, worse than the flu. Okay. Not slightly, but, but nothing like, you know, that. So, right. uh, but if the next one comes along and it's apparently worse then I'm worried about, you know, the government uh, having a too heavy of a hand and then the conspiracy theorists re revolting against that and, you know, maybe not completely irrationally. So we'll see. Okay. And then, you know, uh, then there could be civil unrest and problems like that. Do you think now, you know, and we'll talk, talk politically too, if things go the way it looks like they're going and Mr. Trump goes away, you know, he's like in the background, you know, he's no longer relevant and the Kerry Lake starts settling down because he's no longer relevant. And, you know, those people start settling down. You think that part of it, you know, conspiracy wise will, will also settle down? Yeah, I do. Yes. Now to be fair, um, the 
the phrase we have is conspiracy theories are for losers. What this means is that when you lose politically, you think the other side conspired to do something. Democrats have done this every election they lost to. Normally what happens is, is once your candidate concedes, then the conspiracy theory drops. What happened with Trump is he didn't concede, right? Mm -hmm. So his hardcore followers uh, kept it going. Even after Attorney General Bill Barr, Trump appointed lifelong Republican, devoted to the GOP, said, you know what? We looked into it. We couldn't find anything. That should have ended it, but it didn't because because Trump wouldn't drop it. So I do think once it's clear somebody else is going to um, uh, nudge Trump out for the uh, during the primaries, if it's Cruz or uh, DeSantis or whoever it is, Mike Pence, maybe, uh, then everyone will get on board with whoever that candidate is. And we won't even hear about Trump anymore. And th then that part of the conspiracy theorizing will, will go away. Uh, what could be next? I don't know. You know, you never know what the next big crazy thing will be. You know, JFK will probably never go away because that's a, a perennial one. Even the re recent release of documents uh, a couple of days ago didn't reveal any smoking gun, yet people are still talking about it. To me, I've always thought, you know, since the 90s that the full release of the JFK assassination documents would just show to what extent the CIA was involved in a lot of pretty questionable probably illegal activities like assassinating foreign leaders. This mm -hmm. didn't come out until president until Gerald Ford was president after Nixon. And he, you know, basically said, what we were doing, what we can't do that. We can't assassinate foreign leaders. You know? So he passed that law saying, okay, no more assassinating foreign leaders. <laughs> it's like, wow, our government was doing that. So who knows? There could be more things like that. You know, mm -hmm. the NSA and their spine, you know, that the WikiLeaks revealed there's they're probably still doing lots of stuff that you and I don't even know about. And that's what we need journalists for. That's what we need whistleblowers right. for. Right. In a liberal democracy, we need at least some transparency. Do you find, um, you know, you, you, you know, you do your own research and everything. You put out all this information. Do you think that's what's going to help these things settle down too? Is, is people like you and I put, you yeah. know, yes. telling the truth and finally people yes. are going to start yes. taking notice. That's we got to do it. That, that's absolutely transparency, communication of facts. Here's you know what what's true really matters, mm -hmm. and so we got to get that out there. Here's what we know, and mm -hmm. then just lay it out there. Can't make people believe things, but we can certainly give them the facts and encourage them to think think critically about them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you have to say to people that 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 will fall into conspiracy theories? Well, okay, I have a whole, uh, chapter on this in the book. Um, you First of all, you have to talk to them respectfully, openly, listen, nod, pay attention to what they're saying, steel man their argument when you speak back to them. That is, don't straw man the argument where you repeat the argument in a way that you can easily refute it. But they're not actually making that argument. Steel man it. Steel man means you repeat their argument in a way that gets to the point where they go, yes, that's exactly what I'm arguing. And then you can take them on, right? But don't tell people they're idiots or they're stupid to believe this. Uh, they're crazy. They're insane. They're paranoid. Or worse, that they're Hitler. <laughs> you know, there's that uh, Godwin's law on uh, any any debate that goes on long enough online will will end up talking about Hitler, <laughs> accusing the other person of being a Nazi, right? That never is useful. Uh, and it's good to remember most people are not going to change their mind on the spot. They're not going to go, oh, my God, that's a great argument. I changed my mind. Almost nobody does that. Um, and so you just have to kind of ask some thoughtful questions like, oh, that's really interesting. Where did you hear that? Or what was your source for that? Uh, you know, and if it's like, well, I watch Fox News every night and this is what they say. It's like, OK, you know, you should try some other sources in addition to Fox News, uh, you know, and, and, and just ask, you know, question, what's the quality of the evidence? What's the you know reliability of the source? You know, if it's Alex Jones, Probably not a reliable source, mm -hmm. right? If it's just some podcast, you know, how about if it's a, an actual like fact check journalism site like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, Washington Post, LA Times, you know, just something where there's some checks and balances and fact checking before you encounter it. So those are the kinds of things you can do. Um, you know, keep emotions out of it. You know, just have a thoughtful debate. Be curious, you know, just ask questions you know, and, and concede that the other person could be right, you know, put a probability on it. It's like, well, I'm not going to say you're hundred percent wrong. I just, 
I'll say, you know, I'm 90% certain I'm right. And you're 10%. I think you're 10% probability you're right, but I could be wrong. Give me some reasons why I should, you know, push my percentage up higher that you're right. And just mm -hmm. see what they say, you know, to see what they come up with. Mm -hmm. Now, for you to be to, to be skeptical like you are, what was the turning point that made you start doing the research and looking up stuff? Oh, interesting. Well, when I was in college in the 70s, I was always interested in the paranormal, the supernatural, big questions about God and science and religion uh -huh. and all that stuff. I, I, I just thought it was incredibly fascinating. And, and it is. Uh, this was the era of Uri Geller bending spoons and and Thelma Moss at UCLA running her paranormal lab and curly in photography and, you know, all that new age stuff. And I thought it was super interesting. And then, you know, then then I discovered there is kind of a skeptic, skeptical community, a rationality community and so on. People that want to know if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people like the amazing Randy that would, you know, duplicate Geller's bending spoons using magic is like, oh, huh. So people can do this with magic. So you watch like a Darren Brown special on Netflix. You know, he's a mentalist, an mm -hmm. illusionist and a magician. And uh, he can do anything that any faith healer, he just watches his recent one called Miracle. He can do everything the faith healers can do, including healing people right on stage. They're not plants. And he says right up front, I'm not doing anything. This is pure magic. This is a magic show. I'm not supernatural. I'm not religious. I'm an atheist and so on. And still I can do everything that those guys can do. So when you see that, I think, huh, yeah, okay. Well, maybe there's not as much to this as I thought. <laughs> so that was my turning point. My training is in science, social science, experimental psychology, and history of science. So um, I took those skills and started Skeptic Magazine as just a hobby, and then it got big, and now it's my day job. What was the first article you wrote? Oh, uh, well, the first article I wrote and published in a scholarly journal was on the Louisiana creationism trial. That is the attempts to teach um, creationism in public high school science classes, biology classes. And this was challenged by the ACLU, one big case in Louisiana that uh, on appeal went to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court voted seven to two, Rehnquist and Scalia were dissenting, that it is unconstitutional to teach biblical creation stories in a public government-funded school. And anyway, so I just wrote the whole story about that uh, case because it was so interesting. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I was uh, when I was 17, I became a born-again evangelical Christian, and I was that for seven years. I went to Pepperdine University, which is a Church of Christ school, and I was totally into it. And then I wasn't. <laughs> then I became an atheist later. But, uh, but, but I was always interested in that kind of science and religion, and, and is there a God? You know, is there free will? Why the problem of evil? You know, why do bad things happen to good people or children or whatever? Why would God allow that? You know, those, those kinds of big questions. So that was my first paper on that. And, you know, I've just been publishing ever since. I wrote 214 consecutive monthly columns in Scientific American on all these different topics. <laughs> wow. What was one of the most difficult to write? Well, the one that probably got the most mail is I wrote about this anomalous experience. You'll like this that I had with my wife. Uh, Jennifer, who's from Cologne, Germany. And so she was shipping out her stuff when we decided we were going to get married and be together. And uh, so one of the things she shipped was her grandfather's radio. So she was raised by a single mom and, and her mom's dead. So her grandfather. And he had this little Philips uh, 1977 transistor radio that they would listen to music together on. And now he's gone and he died. And so she kept this radio as a memento of memories with her grandfather. And so she shipped it to me, but it's dead. It doesn't work. So I tried to get it to work and nothing happened. And uh, so then you know, months later, uh, we're getting married. We're having a little ceremony at my house in Southern California here in Altadena. And um, so she has nobody here. It's just my friends and family because everybody's in Germany. It was the last second thing. So uh, for immigration reasons. <laughs> so yeah, okay, getting married. So we did it. And uh, so she was feeling kind of a little lonely that she didn't have anybody there. So we're kind of in taking a quiet moment in the back. And all of a sudden I hear music playing. And she heard it too. It's like, what is that? It's like, well, you know, I don't have a PA system in my house. And oh, it's probably my iPhone or something. No, it wasn't that. Maybe my laptop. No, it wasn't that. You know, maybe it's the neighbor's music. No, it wasn't that. And then I remembered, wait a minute, that radio I stuck in a drawer 
the back of this desk has been sitting there for months, just dead. And I open it up and it's, sure enough, the radio is on. It's playing oh. this beautiful music, like love, like love music or whatever, perfectly tuned to the station, you know, and now my, my wife and I are not religious. <laughs> We're both atheists and, you know, and so on. We don't believe in ghosts and so on. But for her and for me too, because of her, you know, it felt like her grandfather was there in uh-huh. the room with us as a kind of a, a token of love and togetherness. And so, and that's how we interpreted it. Not in any big, wasn't rewriting science right. or anything like that. Just say right. this was an unusual anomalous experience that was very meaningful to us. Anyway, I got tons of letters. First of all, Shermer, you've gone off the deep end here. What? No, 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 it's okay. Can't explain everything. And, and, but, but I, most of the letters I got were people with similar stories like this really, really weird thing happened. And they, and they were convoluted with, you know, ups and downs and this and that. It just couldn't have happened by chance, right? That's the way it seemed. And so I, I've kind of learned to keep an open mind, like, well, you know what? I you never know. <laughs> and uh, so let's just keep an open mind about this. Enjoy the anomalous, enjoy the seemingly miraculous, enjoy the really unusual coincidences that happen for their emotional significance, even if it doesn't mean anything cosmically. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's a great story. So my last question tonight, I asked this to everybody. You're on the main strip in Vegas, and there's guys selling books maybe similar to yours. How do you get people to, to, to take a look and buy your book? Uh, first of all, don't go to Vegas if you want my books, because I write about statistics and probabilities and, and, and how the casinos get rich and you don't. <laughs> right. Why the It's like that uh, that book about hedge fund managers. Where's the customer's yachts? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you want to make money in, in Vegas, you know, be the casino owner. <laughs> well, um, I think the the appeal of my work is that um, I want to know what's actually true. I don't have an agenda. I'm not trying to debunk anything. I just want to know what's true. And uh, I think we should be on this journey together because I'm not omniscient. I'm not God and you're not either. No one knows for sure. So we got to apply rationality and science to everything that we can. And that's what my books try to do. So if you want to know what's true, read, read one of my books. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. I, right, I really Thank enjoyed you. it. It was fun. Uh, okay, good. I did too. Thank you so much for having really me. Fun. And then maybe okay. maybe we'll get you on later on down the line, sir. Sounds good. Okay. All right. You have a good bye-bye. good holiday. All right. Yeah, you good too. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was interesting. Okay. You know, skeptics are skeptics, and you can't deny a skeptic. You know, just like with the paranormal, there's always skeptics, and uh, that's how it is. You know, you put yourself out there anyway. Tomorrow, now now that we're hitting the holiday, and uh, we're hitting it, it came up really fast, didn't it? It seemed like Halloween ended, and then here we are. Nancy Matz is going to be on with me tomorrow, Casual Friday. We're going to be talking about last month we did, or last month, (laughs) last week we did like like studies into these different paranormal films. So it's kind of we're going to do something like similar to that. I'm saying like a lot. I'm from California, guys. Anyway, um. We're going to be talking about uh, Dickens' Christmas Carol, not the movie, but the book itself. That's one of the greatest ghost stories of all time, besides Hamlet. Is it Hamlet? Hamlet has a ghost. One of those, Richard III, one of those has a ghost. I'm not up on Shakespeare. But uh, we're going to be talking about Christmas Carol, and we're going to be talking about, hopefully if we have enough time, Crimson Peak, the movie. I've never seen it. I'm going to do some research into that tonight so I can have an intelligent conversation with Nancy about it. But we're going to be talking about those two tomorrow night. So it's going to be kind of interesting nights. You know, last year, if you remember, during the holiday season, I read from A Christmas Carol. That was, that was a holiday book, right? All right. So now, after that, remember to, like, put your calendar together because Marcy and I are taking to the road. 8.30 p.m. We're going to be out in the fabulous 40s, and we're going to go up one side of the street and down the other, and we're going to be looking at all the cool Christmas lights and stuff out there. So you guys will come along with us for the ride. Christmas music, maybe have some hot cocoa in the car. I don't know. Figure that out. Or maybe we'll take you for hot cocoa with us afterwards. I don't know. Just play it by ear that night. But we are going to be out tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. So remember to mark that on your calendar. You can stay all warm because it can be down the 30s tomorrow night. So for those of you that are at home or you're living back east where it's really cold, you can just wrap yourself up in, in your you know in your blankets and and your slippers and stuff, and you can just cruise with us, and we're going to have the windows in the car wide open so you can watch us freeze to death. So we're going to be out, you know, 
doing that stuff tomorrow night. So that's going to be big. So we're going to two shows tomorrow. That's two shows, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, usual time. And then we'll be back on at 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay? Now, Saturday, Christmas Eve, I'm doing a show. See, I'm going to be busy this weekend. I believe the show is 4 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to read some, Chris, some Christmas poetry. We're going to learn about Hanukkah and what Hanukkah means. We're going to hear about... Um, what else are we gonna do? There's a few things that we're gonna oh yes, the yes I talked with Nancy about this. The yes Virginia letter. We're gonna go we're gonna have that on night before Christmas. I'm gonna have some stories about the Yule cat and and different things like that. And and uh, so we're gonna be doing that on Christmas Eve from four PM Pacific to five PM Pacific. All right. Christmas Day, of course, I'll be back reading the book. And uh, that'll be one of the last reads of the book. Probably uh that 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 Sunday, Christmas Day. And then the following Sunday, New Year's Day, will be the last read of the book. And then we will shift back into the Salem Witch Trials book. And uh, so it's going to be busy this weekend. So just to give you guys a heads up on what's going on. Anyway, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Um, we're, you know, the, the, the more people that like the show, the better. Right now, I've got to make this announcement. Um, last night, we hit... 500 subscribers on YouTube. I hear you guys. You're cheering. I can hear you. You're all cheering. Yes, we, we, and that, that was a major thing to hit 500 subscribers on YouTube. We're always looking for subscribers. And if, if you did watch from YouTube tonight and you haven't su subscribed yet, check out the page. We got a lot of stuff on there. And let me do this again. There we go. There's that ghost at the, at that corner right there. Click on that and that'll bring up the subscribe button. We have over 460 videos over there of different topics for you to peruse and i'm sure there's something in there that you're going to like the beautiful part about subscribing too is that i'm always working on that community page doing polls and stuff to see what you guys want to hear you know staying in contact with you guys i'm very open to emails i'm open to comments i'm open to everything you know i, I will answer i do answer stuff and i spend a long time working on stuff that's why it's built up like it has three years it's taken us three years to get to 500 um I've got around 3,000 people that follow me over on Facebook right now. And so it's getting really exciting. You know, it's getting really exciting to have all these followers. But I do answer emails. I, I do personally talk to people. Because I, I think something like this needs a more personal effect. And for those of you that listen on the RSS feed, that listen to, to Apple Music and all that, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We've had a lot of downloads this month, and I'm really excited about that. And hopefully... That keeps up. So we're seeing a lot. And I want to thank certain people. I want to thank my 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 friend who's no longer with us, Monica Funk, for all her support in, with this show. Uh, Carrie Peoples, who helps out. Uh, Karen and Michael. Karen and Michael, you know who you are. Thank you for helping out. Uh, my sister, my two cousins that, that come to the show and, and watch it. And you, you've been there since the beginning, and it's working. We're all sharing it. We're all getting the word out on it. And it's working. And each and every one of you, Marisa Haynes, who helps me out. I didn't forget who's my producer right now, you know, who helps me out. All these people that are help, that are helping to get this word out about the show. We have business cards for Marisa passing these things out. You know, we're trying to just get the word out. The more word we get out, the more people watch. The, you know, and it's, and it's fun. It's, it's, it's fun for me to do, too, as a journalist, to do this, just like having this gentleman on. But uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for that 500 mark. It took a long time to get there. And hopefully, and Nancy Matz. Can't forget Nancy Matz. Nancy Matz has been with me for a long time, too. I've known her for years and years, way back to the Block Talk days. So, yeah, way before the Block Talk days, when I was in college. So, you know, I want to thank each and every one of you. Jerry, you know, um, I don't want to forget people. I don't want to forget people. But you guys know who you are. I always thank you profusely, the ones that are supporting us. So thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you immensely. Anyway, I'm going to sign off here and let you have the rest of your evening. We will. I will see you, Nancy, and I will see you at 6:30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. And just remember, 8:30 p.m. Uh, gives me about that gives me about 45 minutes to get the RSS feed up. And then 8:30 p.m. we are going to be on the road doing a Christmas light show for you guys live on YouTube and Facebook tomorrow. So uh, I will see you tomorrow and have. Oh yes, let's get his information before I forget. Hit it, hit it myself. So here we are here. Websites for Michael Shermer is michaelshermer.com, skeptic.com, and, and morelrc.org. 
and you've got he's got a lot more books than this. I have four here. So you got conspiracy and how we believe, and you've got denying history and weird things. Why people believe weird things. Okay, and those are all available at Amazon along with his other books. Plus, check out his website. He's got a lot of books that I think you guys will be interested in. Alrighty then. Have a good... Oh yes, Jennifer Martin. Tell us about Jennifer. Have a good evening, everybody. Bye.